Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Oh, swallowed, swallowed down the uh, the wrong hole there. Uh, we've all been there. Bad timing, I suppose. The old throat getting ahead of me. What am I talking about? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode. Uh, another week here at RGM. How are you doing? You're eight. I'm Carl Maloney, uh, joining you for another week. Welcome to the podcast. What have you been up to this week, then? Yep. But yeah, I do want to say a big thank you and welcome to... Uh, we've had a big spike in numbers over the last couple of episodes. The Virgin Marys uh, and John McClaw. You know, big fan bases from those guys. So uh, if you're still hanging around from, uh, you know, catching the catching the podcast and listening to us for the first time, very good welcome to you indeed. And to you old guys that have been around for a while, thanks for sticking around again. Very much appreciated. It's podcast time. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, today we have none other than Star Sailor singer James Walsh. I don't think I've ever interviewed a more chilled out, relaxed guy <laughs> ever. <laughs> proper chilled, proper chilled. You know, an amazing career. And what a voice, you know. Remember listening to Star Sailor when the first, first came out. It was an absolute joy just to catch up with James and talk about his life through Star Sailor. And now he's got a new solo album that's out now too that we discuss uh, in the description of this podcast as well. You will see a link to have a download or stream it or you can buy it. His new album. But before we join James, we'll do the usual stuff. Uh, and just kick back and discuss this week and crack on. So yeah, this week, the biggest kind of thing that we've done this week, and it is busy now, it's, p- it's proper picked up. We've got like four or five different news and uh, reviews and interviews going out each day on the RGM socials. Um, yeah, the biggest thing that we did this week, was, which was wasn't a hard thing to do at all, was make the video to support the the announcement by the BBC introducing presenting team that went out recently. Uh, all of them, you know, you know, I, I know Christian from Sheffield and I know Natalie from the Manchester BBC introducing uh, team and it looks like the local element of BBC introducing is is in trouble. Uh, it looks like they're going to keep the brand BBC introducing but on a more national level, just from little tidbits that I've, you know, kind of picked up. Uh, and it's the local level, the most important part of it all, in, in my eyes, you know, which is at risk, which is a real shame. So I've made a video and it's out on YouTube. It's had nearly 400 views on it uh, this week, which is just shows you how much, you know, people care about this thing. Um, so yeah, graduate, I'll, I'll put a, 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 a link to that video in the description of the podcast as well, so you can you can have that. Any shares of our campaign to try and save BBC introducing um, BBC introducing, then that would be very much appreciated. If you could share the video, share the message, that really help us out. Thanks, guys. Nice one. So yeah, new new people. Hello, old people. Hello. We are sponsorless as well now. You've not heard the Scots uh, uh, advert that we do anymore. Uh, which, you know, has its own constraints. Uh, we do try and offer you as much as possible listening to this podcast. And if you fancy it, we've got a Patreon on there. £2.50 a month, which is less than half a longer. It's now. Um, well, I say now, anyway. I'm sure there's people out there that are skint at the minute because, you know, it's hard out there, which is fine. But if you do support, they want to support the show, help us maintain the quality, get the bigger guests in. It helps us offer a professional product. Um, and you get bonus content. Loads of new information on there and bonus content for you, the listeners. 
of RGM, and we really appreciate you you joining us on that. So I've done the sales bit, <laughs> got that out of the way. Let's chill out and relax with the very, very interesting and laid back James Walsh from Star Sailor. Take it away, mate. Hi, you all right? Yeah, thanks for joining us, mate. I appreciate your, uh, your time, as always, and it's always good to speak to accomplished people that have had just amazing careers in music and and had the holy grail of being able to make a career in music, mate. We appreciate you, you joining us today. No problem at all. Yeah, mate. So, um, so yeah, your solo album has obviously just come out. Um, we're we're, we're going to get to that and have a right good chat about it. Uh, but I just want to rewind a little bit and just speak about the good old days, if that's all right with you, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, how how was life for you? How how did like music become a thing for James Walsh? Um, pretty early on, to mm. be honest. I think uh, my my first experience of performing was doing once in Royal David City. Oh, classic! A um, classic at ch- at church, the choir boy <laughs> soloist. Yeah. Um. So I've mentioned this in interviews before, but yeah. it still kind of rings true. It's like uh, when I started singing and when I started getting into music, yeah. it, it wasn't necessarily cool and it wasn't, no. it didn't sort of win me any friends or yeah. attract me to girls or anything. And, <laughs> and then it was the, the sort of um, the rise of Britpop that um, really kind of suddenly it was good to have a guitar and to sing yeah. and to, to do that kind of thing. And I had a bit of a, a head start because of the singing that I'd done in church and in school and right. stuff. So it's, it's something that's singing, I guess, is something that's always something that's always been, I don't want to sound too grandiose about <laughs> it, but it's something that's always been, been in me and I've, I've always, uh, has come natural and I, I've always enjoyed, so it's there. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. When I first got into music, my dad used to play the cornet in a brass band, and I, I started to play a tenor horn because my lips were too big for a cornet, you know, like a trumpet type uh, instrument yeah. type thing. Yeah. And I know exactly what you're saying that those type of that playing that instrument in a uh, in a walking band and you know playing all in the in the squares at Christmas and that type of stuff was yeah. was where I first got into music and I and I still love seeing a brass band to uh, to, to this day and just hearing an amazing brass yeah. band but back when you were actually doing it when I were when I were a kid probably 16 17 18 ish it didn't win you any like lad points or yeah, exactly. anything from the girls or anything <laughs> like that it wasn't that type of thing was it what how did you get into the, that yourself um yeah like i say but music was always around the house my dad had right, okay. crosby crosby sills and nash yes. and uh neil young records yeah. um and yeah i think from sort of singing in choirs and stuff yeah particularly when i started listening to my own music and discovering bands that's yeah. when i really that desire to like learn an instrument as well that accelerated then were you a particularly um, like um uh, religious family is that why you got into singing in choirs or is there a particular uh, tri- a trip into the choir way um not particularly like it was never it was ne- we didn't sort of have prayers at dinner time or anything like that um but we'd be we'd get dragged down to church on a sunday yeah <laughs> <I can laughs> um, and then uh it's one of those things where when you're a kid you um, they're obviously not a fan, yeah. and I'm not. I'm not particularly religious to this day, but like I say, it, it gave me that grounding in music, and mm. it's also a space where no one's going to look at you weird if you if you sing out and you express yourself. Um, and I think, yeah, without getting too deep, I think religion is just one of those things, like football or music or anything yeah. that there are people that take it the right way and, and use it for good. And there are people that take it the wrong way and you yeah. use it for bad. So, yeah. 
because I, I can remember first hearing your voice and thinking, wow, that's unique. How did how did you first discover that you could sing uh, before the, you know the choirs? Was it just I don't know singing in the shower and your family heard you, or yeah. like, how, what was it? You know, um, yeah, like singing in primary school and right. uh, yeah. just realizing that not everyone could do it. Because I think yeah. when you when you're growing up and you're sort of singing to yourself, you don't you. I can't. Remember. I was listening to an interview with someone else. I thought, oh, Maggie Rogers, the mm. singer Maggie Rogers, and. Um, she was saying that she started singing when she was like five or six or whatever and just thought, oh, this is just a, I've discovered this new thing that I can do with my voice, but surely everyone can do it. It was only when she heard other people trying to sing a lot of stuff, she realised that actually I'm a a little bit better and this is something I could actually, um, I guess in that sort of, uh, innocent childlike way you want to sort of show it off a little bit so were you doing all the hard difficult bits and did you get to choose all the like the high-pitched stuff in the choir and did you get challenged yeah. by a lot of your voice um yeah more, more when i got to as i got a bit older i yeah. think you get kind of challenged a bit more and um yeah it's it's uh, um then the songs that you have to sing get a bit more difficult and also the artists that I wanted to emulate got fast forward in a few years but like um, Jeff Buckley and Mm. um, Tom York from Radiohead it's a a whole different ball game to when I started off listening to um, Blur and Oasis who are both incredible bands um, but they're uh, I guess more so with Liam his his stage persona and his swagger and his, um, he's got an amazing voice, but it's, it's almost the whole package. Whereas, um, yeah, people like Tom York and Jeff Buckley were more, uh, what's the word? Um, reticent or, yeah. uh, uh, what? Oh, I can't think of the word. <laughs> okay. Not laid, not, not laid back characters, yeah. Intro, introverted yeah, characters sure. okay. who, yeah. who really, put everything into their voice and and that was their that was the whole the voice and the songs was the whole thing whereas oasis were um yeah a whole uh, like the interviews are hilarious the voice is amazing the so it was a cultural moment wasn't it It well i I can remember i think i'm a similar age to you james i'm 44 now so and I, i think you know, well, I can remember being passed a tape mm. back in them days, no internet and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it just had supersonic on it and just, yeah. and it changed my life. I ended up, you know, supporting, going to many Oasis gigs over the years, watching them all over the world. And just them, they became my band from the late nineties, noughties. And to this day, uh, it's such a yeah. an amazing time when, when, when you're a young lad and you, uh, and something lands on your lap like that and it changes your life it's a special moment in yeah. music you can always remember it yeah and i feel like in the early days i would try and emulate people like liam and mm. noel and try and give it some swagger and stuff yeah and it wasn't it didn't necessarily suit me <laughs> okay um so when i discovered artists the thing with artists like tom york and yeah. jeff buckley nick drake um you can just aspire to be as good as them or not as good as them because they're like on a massive pedestal yeah. but you can you can aim for that mm. but in your in your own voice like I, I can try and hit the notes that Jeff Buckley hits but it's yeah. it's not going to sound like him it's yeah. going to sound like me whereas if you're trying to snarl and swagger yeah. <laughs> around the stage there's nobody better than Liam Gallagher so <laughs> no. when when people see that kind of approach to it they're gonna like he's just ripping off liam there he's just trying to give it the oasis swagger so um yeah it definitely helped to kind of um yeah try to go down a a different avenue once once i discovered that 
so you you found your voice and things then. So how did you know? Did, did, were you in bands before Star Sailor, or did, were you doing your own little thing? What kind of happened after school? And you, you, you know, you started hearing all these different artists that are perking your ears to this rock and roll um, world. But at school for GCSE music, we had to do an ensemble piece. Nice, and uh, we chose Babylon Z <laughs> Spaceman. <laughs> okay, so not. Not the coolest song, <laughs> although the, the the bit that's in the advert's really good. I like that bit, yeah. and then it goes off on one a little bit. Um, because <laughs> that, that was quite high pitched, weren't it? And you, you've got a very like you, you've got a yeah. massive range. I suppose. Yeah. It, could you like you know is that, is that when you first you, you sung it? And you thought, oh, I, I can sound like somebody. Right. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> okay. I think we I think we slowed it down actually and right. made it a bit more more of a, a sort of dirgy thing. Right, okay. Um, but then I guess going to music college was the big eye-opener because right. there were a lot more like-minded people there. Mm. And, um, yeah, we'd exchange records and or CDs as, as they were then. Mm. Um, and uh, I met Ben. and Well, I met all of Star Sailor, really, but first of all, started playing with Ben, the drummer, and Stell, the bass player. Um, and we'd go through a succession of guitarists and different name changes yeah. and um, until Barry joined the band and we became Star Sailor and yeah. it kind of... Um, it's, the rest is history, I guess. Yeah. Well, it, it, I, I can remember hearing Good Souls for the first time and thinking, fucking... It, that that it's one of them songs where it just that, that just got me hooked straight away into the band. Just the I don't know how, how do I just try and describe my feelings around that. It it was just I don't know it, the whole rhythm of it and the pattern of the the drums and the bass mm. to it just grabbed me in. And then your voice came into it, and then I was like, "What the fuck? Is that? There's not like this around at, at the minute." Did you feel like you know you know because the fir- the first album just had so many hits on it and just so many great songs on it how did how did you feel when these things started falling out of the sky um i think it, in one respect it was amazing because obviously we even though we were pretty young when it came together we'd yeah. been at it for sort of four or five years mm. and i think when you're young as well you're quite impatient for things to yeah. happen um and i remember my mum and dad have been incredibly supportive, yeah. but even they were starting to get like, I think, I guess when are you just really, when are you going to get a proper job? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a little okay. bit. Yeah. Not, not even when are you going to get a proper job, but yeah. is there something else you can study yeah, or yeah. is there another aspect yeah. of music that you could, uh, kind of learn or train in? Yeah. So at least you, you're doing, like I say, they're incredibly supportive. Mm. I think they just were realistic that, which make which is fair enough, really. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we'd look, we'd love you to become this sort of famous musician, but you need something to fall back on. Yeah. And then uh, suddenly it kind of came together, and I did, I did actually do like a week or something of a New Deal for musicians. Yeah thing that um labor had set up i was on the new deal program um, uh darnell, yeah. music, darnell music factory in sheffield i did a program there for like six months or so uh, was, yeah i did i went to this place in manchester yeah. and then it was not long after that that we got the gig at the social mm. um in london the heavenly social and and that gig literally um set everything off it's the enemy reviewed it and mm. uh labels and stuff were after the demo and I guess it and I think that's that's one of the kind of shames of the music industry now is yeah. that uh, everything's online instantly. Yeah. So you don't re- you don't really get these um sought after demo tapes or um yeah. clamour to hear like when the Arctic Monkeys were first when their demo was first um doing the rounds and it was like gold dust to yeah. get to listen to it. Um, and nowadays it's all, like I say, it's all just there. And a lot of times bands are, 
are doing the legwork themselves and making a name for themselves mm-hmm. and then a, a label's jumping on. Whereas I feel like before you would get musicians who are really good, but maybe not media savvy or internet savvy and, and a label would come on board and sort, all that. Um, sort it out. Yeah. Mm. I guess there's, there's obviously a double-edged sword to that because some bands got ripped off, but yeah. um, I think in a few cases it, it was definitely to a bet, not the ripping off, but the la- a label going on board was definitely to the benefit of the band to get them to a wider audience and to, to do all that, um, mm. to give them that, that advice on um, how to connect with people and, and where they need to play and, what should be a single and all that carry on well it, it's definitely still like that now because i i put local bands on in manchester and sheffield and this it's still a massive struggle it, the, the the industry is so saturated and everybody's skint at the minute it's hard to sell tickets yeah. um the the journey for a band is as hard as what it's ever been i personally think because it's um getting out of your own city is a nightmare yeah. because it, it, as a, from a promoter's point of view, it's very expensive to hire venues these days post COVID uh, and to put an out of town band on is, is, is a bit of a risk because they might not sell any tickets yeah. and lose money and all that kind of rubbish. Well, that's, that's it. Mm. I, I feel like almost in terms of a band or an artist, if you need to do this for your living, if this is your absolute mm. passion and like you say, cause ticket sales can be difficult and um, getting labels interested can be difficult. Yeah. It's never been tougher to, and because there's so much out there and um, it's so easy to release stuff, it's really difficult yeah. to make a living from it. So I'm, I feel incredibly grateful that we have this platform that yeah. we, um, that I can use to uh, further my solo career and to keep yeah. doing gigs with the band as well. I feel like if you were in the fortunate enough position to have another job or to, or to, um, to not rely on the music financially, yeah. then it's probably the best time in terms of just reaching people and just um, gaining an audience. It's just unfortunate and it's, without getting too political about it, I think that's why it's so much, so much more difficult for working class artists and bands because they, they don't have that luxury of, Mm -hmm. um, Oh, well, I'll just do this for a hobby and and see what happens. And it's always, isn't it nice that, um, a hundred thousand people have streamed this or downloaded it because, um, in most cases there's about 20 quid in that. So, yeah. If you need if you need that money to kind of um yeah to justify the the money even even without making a profit to justify the money that you might have spent on gear or yeah. all that kind of thing so lot, I hope I, uh, I think a lot of bands uh, rush things out too quick these yeah. days as well it's it's very, it's very saturated and, and like you say people can record a single from the bedroom very easily on you know yeah. just just how equipment has moved on since the since you know twenty years ago or wherever, mm. a lot of people are just bringing things out too quick. I think they're they're rushing into it. The the the, the big debate about Spotify will rumble on. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. It is yeah. a platform where you can get your music out to the world, but you just can't expect to get any money back from it really, uh, or even cover the cost of the recording, which is a massive shame. Um, yeah. But what what's a guy do? You know, when, when a company's got that monopoly on the on the music industry and and the uh, and the record labels kind of sold the industry down a, you know, down a bad path by allowing, you know, since the uh, Napster days and that kind of stuff as a reaction to all that. And they they yeah. basically sold off <laughs> rights to yeah. be musicians to be able to make money on Apple and Spotify. It's it's a, mm. it's not a, the healthiest of positions to be, but the music industry has never been in a in the healthiest of positions anyway. No. It's always been a bit <laughs> yeah, ragtag. Yeah. It? yeah. <laughs> Um, I think all all power to the the small venues that are still able to put on yeah. um, up and coming bands and mm. um, chuck them a few quid as well and, mm. and keep the scene the local scenes whether it's Liverpool, mm. Sheffield, Leeds, Manchester, London, obviously um, 
even like there's a venue in Winchester called the Railway. Mm. I play quite frequently, mm. and they've. All, I think people go to the gigs as much because um, they see the venue as a mark of quality. So they might not even have heard of whoever's playing, but you think, oh, there's someone on at the Railway. Mm. We know they're going to be good, so we'll go. Yeah, go and watch them. Um, I played my mate's pub, um, Strines, in uh, near Stockport, near Marple in Stockport. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Marple. Um, I, I went, uh, cause I, I'm, <laughs> I'm quite new to Manchester, so some of my Manchester friends took me around Marple yeah. in summer. Beautiful yeah. little country, little town, it's isn't great. it? It's great, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but that's another one where people just were like, oh, the summer on, and it's mm. <laughs> it yeah. sold out really quickly. And, yeah. Um, obviously, that was a nice ego boost, but yeah. I think part of it was just um someone who oh look someone who um a mate of a mate has actually heard of is playing in this yeah. pub so yeah. let's get tickets and and go out hmm. so i think uh, yeah there's there's still in spite of all the venues that unfortunately have um had to close the doors especially since covid yeah. and so little support there are still a few sort of digging their heels in and yeah, managing we, to make ends meet we've got it in manchester with night and day going through court proceedings to stop people yeah. people that uh, moved into a flat near the venue have kicked off because yeah. of loud news it's just bollocks and the lead mulls having licensing issues and all that kind of stuff in sheffield yeah. these iconic venues are still fighting to stay alive it it gets on my nerves mate it's it's, it's hard enough without yeah. these bollocks <laughs> this extra bollocks yeah. they have to fight so it's just annoying yeah i think the the situation well, both situations are ridiculous, but mm. particularly in Manchester mm. where you can't, you shouldn't be able to happen upon a nuisance like that where you you know exactly where you're moving into and you know there's <laughs> going to be loud yeah. music. And it's like, I think there was um, the developers or whatever messed up at the time as well because they, they were supposed to, and stuff and supposed to do it. Yeah. It's, not being, it's not come out in court yet, so I'll just say that's allegedly just, to it. But. Yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's not the venue's fault, though, is it? No, like, no, it's bollocks. Uh, it's annoying. It's absolute bollocks. So, uh, yeah, so Star Sailor uh, were born. Uh, you all met each other and mm. started playing. These songs were falling from the sky. And I, I, can, I can remember when, you know, the, 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 there was a, a, you know, a massive... Um, it, I, I don't know where I got this story from. It just, it, it's just in my head that Star Sailor, you... We're in a position where there were just many record labels at the same time wanting to sign you, so you're in a really strong position to get a good deal. Was, was that the case? Was it you guys or Travis? I, I get mixed up in my old age. And pro- probably both. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. there's quite quite a lot of excitement around Travis as yeah. well. A few a few years prior to yeah. us, um, but yeah, there was definitely a few labels interested, um, and it was quite an exciting time. I think uh, in a weird way, the the little kind of uh, the things that are happening now, almost I appreciate more mm. because I'm a bit older. And yeah. I think at the time I was at that sort of age where you kind of take everything in your stride and yeah. you feel like you're on, you're almost starting a journey. Um. And I pro- in retrospect, probably didn't appreciate enough yeah. how mad and unusual it was because you just think, well, and and I think because Coldplay was starting to mm. um, really like play arenas and just yeah. be this massive thing, and they were signed to the same label. Um, or in fact, it, it was like one of these situations where EMI had two. Uh, subsidiary labels or whatever or labels under their umbrella which was chrysalis and parlophone and coldplay were on parlophone and we we became like chrysalis's oh. it's that inter inter uh, record label yeah. rivalry we became chrysalis's answer to to coldplay <laughs> okay. in, in a way um so we felt like well, obviously we're going to go and uh, headline Glastonbury yeah. and play stadiums eventually. And this is just the start. And yeah. everyone around us kind of encouraged encouraged that uh, that idea rather than 
which is more sensible is like mm. it might not get any better than this so enjoy <laughs> it and appreciate the like i say the the grounding that those early years have given me and the band yeah. to an extent as well to carry on doing like i played in shetland um not too long ago and it's things like that that just wouldn't have happened without the those early years of, of getting us up there and um, how did you make your yeah. final decision on which record label to go with if, if there's all these big names there what kind of what what helped you what kind of like did you did you seek legal advice and that kind of stuff how's it you know having all these massive labels fighting for you how do you make the right decision there um well jeff barrett at uh, heavenly records who originally sort of put us on him and um Danny and Carl and Robin at Heavenly, they, they'd originally put us on at the social. Martin Kelly as well, he was a, yeah. around a lot at the time. Um, and EMI let us keep him on as A&R. Mm. Um, so EMI took, took care of the business side of things and marketing and videos and whatever. Um, and we still had Jeff guiding us uh not not creatively but in uh what's the word like mixed decisions production decisions and things like that it was good to have someone like that kept kept on board he worked with primal scream and part of dove success and um sent etienne and ed harcourt and we really respected him and i think that made that made a big difference that we felt like we had one foot in the slightly cooler camp of, of heavenly records. Um, and then, but then this label behind us as well. So it, uh, that helped the decision. Whereas it's going back a few years. I can't remember. I can't remember what the other, exactly what the other labels had on the table, but I feel like it was more, um, they wanted more control over the big decisions and uh, which is understandable i guess if they're putting a lot of money on the table although since then you kind of realize how um how sort of you gotta pay it back exactly (laughs) yeah um how kind of although it's not a straightforward loan yeah um it's not uh it's not directly paid back over the amounts that you sell in, they take a tiny percent, a yeah. percentage of that. And then, so the debt just keeps growing and growing. Nice. nice. Took, yeah. you, took, took out a, a hundred grand video, or 250,000 yeah. pound video. It's just wow. madness, really. It is madness. It is madness. And when I were doing a bit of research about you, I had a, I had a look on Wikipedia about you, James. Have you ever Googled yourself? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's interesting, isn't it? I, I, I do have a little look at Wikipedia, but I don't hang me, you know, I don't hang my hat on it or anything. It's just, I just find it interesting just seeing these things. And yeah. uh, it does say that you've sold three millions, three million albums globally. Um, you know, five albums. Is it five albums and a few greatest hits? Five studio albums? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So how, how do you look back at that kind of success and that ride? How do you reflect on it? Um. With fondness, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I think, um, and just the opportunity to travel the world as well was was an incredible privilege. Um, And, yeah, uh, it was, uh, we're incredibly lucky to have been able to do that. Have you always been this laid back about it all? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, like like yeah. I say, I think when I when I was younger, I, I was uh, much more um, disappointed by any kind of setbacks that would like right, okay. really get to me. So when your debut album's done as well as ours did, then setbacks are inevitable. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely, uh, I'm definitely more philosophical now and, and feel 
incredibly fortunate to, and it, I think, like like you say, because uh, you almost exist in a bubble of yeah. uh, being a successful band and and only really seeing or or experiencing other successful bands. Mm. <laughs> so you're constantly going, oh, how come? Uh, this is back in the day now, it's completely different. But back in the day, there was definitely like, oh, how come Muse got a number one album and ours was only number two? Or <laughs> how come they're selling these uh, venues in America and we're only doing these ones and just stupid stuff like yeah. that that um, you shouldn't re- really allow to get to you and, and you should just stay on your own path and and be fortunate for the amazing things that are happening instead of having that sort of slight jealous yeah. tinge. Um, whereas now, like I say, it's kind of, I've had to get more kind of laid back about it and yeah. just, uh, yeah, just the, the longer it goes on as well. You're like, it's been 20 odd years since Love Is Here was released and people still want to hear those songs and still, um, Book me for solo gigs and yeah, it, you recently celebrated twenty years anniversary. It's come out again, didn't you? And you did yeah. the um, what was the versions of the songs you did at the end? Because I've been listening to them and all, and I, yeah. the words just come out of it. What you did different versions of some of the songs at the end? On yeah, the uh, Way to Fall and Alcoholic. What was the name of the sessions on it though? What was the, it, was, the se- uh, distillery? Distillery. Sessions. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Come yeah, yeah they, they, they were great to just uh, listen back to the songs again, just in a different, um, more. Uh, more bluesy fashion, really. Yeah, particularly. yeah. That that were nice. That were a nice surprise. Thank you. Mm. So yeah, so with the yeah, so oh, oh yeah, when you Google yourself, if, 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 what's the biggest thing that you see on there? That's bollocks when you Google yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't checked it recently. Oh, okay. Um, I think my birth, date of birth is wrong. Is it? Oh right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it said the 9th of June and it, it's the 10th of June. So almost right. Nearly there. Nearly there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My older kids have, um, ah, okay. Have, uh, uh, edited my Wikipedia a few times. Right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but stuff like, he's Jane McDonald's biggest fan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and are you? <laughs> Run, runs the fan club. And stuff. <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of stuff uh, about your net worth on there, James. That must be. Yeah, a bit intrusive. Uh, also nonsense. Right, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I got uh, divorced a few years ago, right, so okay. My, I think I think my net worth is minus. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. So yeah, so the so you know the band's just you know taking off, doing amazing things, starting to play the big festivals, star sailors all over the place. You know, there's people like me that are just getting right into the band and coming to see you live. I think it were. I think I went to see you a couple of times at the um, Doncaster Dome, a few times definitely, and I think in Sheffield, um, what we called the Octagon. I think I've seen you a few times yeah, there yeah. as well. Like, those type of venues. It was just, just, just amazing, great live events. Did you? Um, how did you prepare for like live gigs and stuff, particularly when the stages get started to get a bit bigger? Because I know it when you're when you're in a band and you're you're playing the smaller venues and then you've got this all this space how do you feel yeah. how do you fill all that as a performer um i get we we just sort of rehearse it through and um work a bit on sound check but it, it just comes from experience yeah. really um and then obviously as the gigs get bigger you get involved with lighting designers and mm. more more sort of stage design yeah. which takes a bit more of the pressure off the yeah. band to um like you say kind of run around the stage and make use of yeah. the space oh, no, so just yeah. uh yeah we just kind of um try and stay tri- stick to our roots and stay true to the the music and make the gigs as i'm trying to think who it I heard someone talking. Oh, it was actually about comedy, <laughs> right. but I guess it applies. Where um, it was in, it was an interview with uh, Toby Foster mm. um, about Peter Kay, and he was saying that his great skill is to, um, even if he's playing a, an enormous dome <laughs> arena, 
Mm. It still feels like this kind of uh, intimate little gig and, yeah. and little chat sort of thing. So I think that's what I try and uh, what we always tried to do. And um, I, I think decent lighting and stage design really helps that. Yeah. It's a, it, it's just a, another layer of the whole creativity thing. It must be nice just to just. Uh, I'm just just trying to guess what it's like to be in a band and make it. I <laughs> fail miserably, <laughs> so I, I just love the journey and you know how people did it and um, yeah, the creativity side of it. It must be nice just to um, do other things than just be about the music. Or was it not that way with you? Um, yeah, we definitely took interest in. Mm. None of us are particularly artistic outside of music. There's no artists or I know a lot of bands, there are are kind of artists or film yeah. people within them. And um, whereas we were always um our main talent was the the music and songwriting. But we took an interest in what went on the covers of the albums and how the stage set looked. I remember. Yeah. There was one particular occasion where they wanted us to use a kabuki um, <laughs> curtain drop thing, nice. which which was fantastic in principle if it worked. <laughs> um, but we tried it out at uh, Ulu in London, which is a fairly small um, venue within the university there. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, we had Mark Collins from the Charlatans mm. playing with us and it dropped on his head. <laughs> nice. So we quickly, that, that was like, uh, what's the word? It kind of brought us back down to earth. Then, so like, maybe, <laughs> yeah, exactly. maybe we're not, maybe we're not ready for a, maybe Manchester Academy is not ready for a Kabuki drop. Yeah, just yet. <laughs> Especially, I think uh, having Mark uh, play with us and, and be able to, see his guitar and, and not be wrapped up in a curtain is probably more important than this little yeah. stage trick. Well, when I were researching, you know, when the band's taken off and you're playing all the big festivals and all the big gigs and that kind of stuff, um, the one of the things that, that came out of it, you know, you mentioned Oasis earlier and you had a bit of a, an altercation with Noel Gallagher, uh, I believe, yeah. at Tea in the Park. That must have been difficult being a, a, being a big fan and... Um, Knowing what they're like and you know, what what did they say? There was just students or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's part of that. It's just, and I think I think I'm still quite sensitive to any sort of abuse or criticism uh, okay. as as everyone is. Yeah. Um, but now I would probably take a deep breath and not yeah. rise to it. Whereas then I was like quite easily wound up to be honest yeah. and and that that's their kind of that's their uh what's yeah they're really good at it yeah, they are they, they are really, really, good good at, yeah. <laughs> really good at winding people up yeah. um but we've actually we did a gig with liam in fact i've done mm. i met him in dubai when i played with the stone roses mm. um and he was really sound then and i met uh not seen Noel since, funnily yeah. enough. Yeah. And I, we did a gig with them, with Liam and his band in Turkey. Wow. And they were all lovely. They were all like very, um, you'd sort of see them. At, we were we were all staying in the same hotel for a few days yeah. and you'd see them at the pool and at breakfast. And, that yeah, must be, that must think, be fun. Uh, just... <laughs> it's, just, ama- yeah. it's amazing, yeah. Um, did and the, I old, feel did like, the old days come up in conversation? Like when you, you know, or is it just like, it's just, um, it's just pantomime really. And it's just something that happened back in the day. Yeah. We, we didn't sort of, I didn't get to speak to him that much to yeah, be honest, okay. but he was, he said hello and like, how, how's it going? And yeah. Uh, yeah um, <laughs> just, just perfectly nice. And, yeah. Yeah. Funny, I feel yeah. like, I feel like Liam, more kind of shoots from the hip and, mm. and is more spontaneous almost yeah. or more. Whereas no, it, it, it hurts a bit more maybe when he slags people off. Cause you feel like it's a bit more calculated and right. a bit more mm. thought out. Like yeah. who can I slag off next? 
Yeah. Like, he only Lewis does it when Capaldi. he's got a record out, though, don't he? Yeah. It is, it's definitely calculated, isn't it? Yeah. But he's... What can you say? He's written some... Oh, yeah. He's written some an- anthems over the years, yeah. so it's like... It's just the idea that music's a competition in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Just ridiculous, really. <laughs> you, you still see it. You still see it at grassroots. That you know, when a band sold a little venue out in Manchester at Castle or Gulliver's or anywhere yeah. like that, then they, yeah. they, they can become quite entitled straight away. Like, oh, I've sold a gig, <laughs> I've, sold, I've sold one gig out in Northern Quarter, so I'm yeah. I'm, I'm entitled to things now. Yeah, you still yeah. see that, and uh, and then and then another band sees it and gets jealous of that because they think they're getting extra yeah. treatment for stuff. When don't, there's so much like stuff that you just waste your time thinking about yeah. in the industry when you just need to concentrate on yourself and just go for it, don't you? And it sounds like you had that, um, yeah, you know, yeah. foresight really. Yeah, eventually maybe because um, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it, as it comes as you get older, yeah, that uh, that. Um, that calmness and that ability to keep going and, and keep believing it's uh, it's easier to get caught up in the um what's yeah the ego of it all yeah. when you at that age like 18 to 20 where you're totally susceptible to thinking that you the world is at your feet. Yes. Really. Oh, yes, definitely. I, I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. And just a couple of a couple of memories before we move on to your solo stuff. So mm-hmm. I know you, I just wanted to touch on. You mentioned the Stone Roses there, and mm-hmm. I know you've supported Rolling Stones. I just wanted to get just a couple of memories from you know those days, and just you know how for for anybody just like sees that from the outside, just think that just must be every part of that just must be fucking amazing. <laughs> and yeah. I've got a weird fascination of what it's like backstage since doing the magazine and stuff I've been going backstage at festivals and seeing that it's just a portal and a few sandwiches uh, and, yeah. it, and and the magic's not really there but like arenas I think it's a bit different because it, it's set out different but you know just being around these musicians in the back and particularly the Rolling Stones and you know how big the, the Stone Roses got it must just be magical back there tell me it's magical Jay. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah I think Obviously, supporting the Stones was an incredible mm. honour, and we got to do a picture with um, with the band, and mm. um, obviously, and it's something that our mums and dads will yeah. forever feel this sense of pride about that connection with their era and their music is um, something they can tell all their friends about for mm. years to come. But but what I find even more magical is the music that I've grown up with and the people that I've idolized since becoming um, mates in some cases, but even just acquaintances and people who, you know, you can have a beer with at festivals. It's like I used to have the charlatans on my wall and embrace on my wall. Mm -hmm. And Rick, Rick's produced our last two albums. Mm. Um, Mark Collins has played with us a few times. Tim's obviously a massive champion of yeah. loads of artists with his listening parties and his yeah. Tim Tim Peaks at Kendall Calling. Um, Hour of the Bewilder Beast is an amazing record. Mm. Badly Drawn Boy, and he's another one who's just unassuming and like, all right, James, how you doing? Yeah. You just they're the real like pinch yourself moments yeah. where. Um, when you have relationships Obviously, with these people, it just must be. Sorry. Yeah, it's you. You so you almost you have to kind of uh, obviously like treat them like normal people, yeah. and I'm I'm able to do that because I've known particularly like Mark and Tim. I've known yeah. them for years now, so for ninety nine percent of the time, they're just mates or people you see at festivals or gigs, and you can have a beer with. But every now and again, you think. Shit, this I, I was in the front row of the Charlatans at mm. Tea in the Park in 1998, just gazing up at Tim Burgess, thinking, "What an incredible front man!" And this is the best gig I've ever been to. And now he's like, "What are you drinking?" Or do you want me to? Or more, 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 more nowadays it's more. Um, how many shots of espresso do you want in your yes. coffee? It's not. <laughs> it's not so much as the booze anymore. 
No, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm really similar, particularly with the Charlatans. I, I went to see the Charlatans. Mm. Was it Wonderland album before Tea in the Park? It's like yeah. 98. Yeah. Because I, I, I went to see the Charlatans at the Leadmill in Sheffield mm. um, during mm. the Wonderland album, and they were doing a warm-up for a festival. So it was either for Tea in the Park or for Leeds, Reading, or something like that. And, mm. you know, I've, I've just spent all these years, and the last time I saw the Charlatans were at Gorilla, just a few months yeah. back in Manchester. It's just, yeah. you know, it's just such a... Such a such great songs uh, and memories from just being a kid out there in the world of music and just enjoying live gigs. It's particularly after COVID, you appreciate it more now. I think, or I do anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I, mm-hmm. I, I nearly came to see you at Basque in Stockport, but I was just getting over an operation and I weren't quite ready yet as well, mate. So, okay. so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to catch it next time. Uh, as well. I'm, so, I'm playing in, uh, they've not arranged the date yet, but I'm yeah. playing in Glossop. Oh, okay. It's not yeah. too far, so oh, I'll nice keep one, you posted yeah. on yeah, that just one. just down the road for me. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, you know, all these big gigs. And so where where do you feel you are in the industry now as a solo soloist and doing your own things? Let's move on to uh, to the, the next chapter, your current chapter in music, which is you on your own out there. Talk us through how you, yeah. how, how this is all going. Um, In terms of the big picture... And like where, and all, and definitely compared to where Star Sailor got to, yeah. maybe what's what, how would I say? I don't want to say unsuccessful because it's has such negative connotations. But I think it's successful because um, I'm able to make a career out of it now. Yeah. The the albums sell enough mm. to make a profit and loads of people increasingly people are booking me for solo gigs Mm. um so yeah i can make a living out of it Mm. um and uh yeah and obviously it'd be nice if it if i could sort of sneak into the top 40 or (laughs) yeah those kind of that that kind of old school success but for the moment i'm grateful that it's uh a nice little departure from the band because um, the band's still kind of reasonably active as well and mm. doing gigs and stuff. So, so like, yeah. how do you find songwriting being a bit older and, you know, having all these experiences and um, it, it, do they still fall out of the sky so easy? No, like we were talking about your first album when all these mm. iconic songs, Lullaby and everything just, you know, mm. happened and they all appeared on this first album, uh, first album. You know, looking back over after a few years, how do you find the songwriting process now for you? Um, there was definitely a stage where I was trying to um, emulate those songs or trying mm. to write songs, both for solo and for sort of later on Star Sailor albums that they would be the benchmark. And I think it's much more freeing to almost forget about that and mm. um, keep that in its place because there's a, there was a, the age that we were and the age that our fans were at the time as well. Mm. It's impossible to um, connect with people in the same way when you're sort of 20 years down the line and everyone's got mortgages to pay or rent to pay or whatever it is. And I think it's much healthier to kind of approach things fresh and go like, it doesn't matter if this is the next silence is easy or the next force the floor. It just, is it a good song that you're proud of? And then, um, yeah, that feels like a much healthier is it harder to finish to a song? Look at it. Is it harder to finish a song then now? So do you think, do you like think, is this starting to sound like a bit like an old Star Sailor song? Do you have to, <laughs> like, you have to kind of like um, workshop it a bit in your own head and try and um, do things a bit different? Is it? Is there another layer yeah. of like um, thought, of your thought process to finish a song? Um, yeah, yeah, I think, mm. uh, although I tend to, just write more songs. I'm yeah. not. I'm not very good at honing songs. Mm. I just they either come almost fully formed, or an idea comes 
or the bulk of an idea comes and I'm really excited about it and it develops. Mm. Um, or I just abandon it. I'd never, I don't tend to write something, oh, well, that's all right, but it needs a bit of work. I'll just go, if it's just all right, it's like, that goes oh, back so you, in the. You don't even have it on an old tape somewhere. You just it's just gone straight away. All my all my ideas are on voice notes on my right. phone. Okay. Um, but yeah, and I, I think as well, it kind of having the band is a is a good um, barometer for that as well. It's like that's the benchmark, really. Is like, do I feel confident enough? to play this to the rest of the band as like, this should be on mm. the next Star Sailor album. Um, and I feel like that's quite a, they're not always the easiest people to please. So it's, well, that's what I'm going to say. Do they day. challenge you back? You know, if they, if they don't feel it's quite good enough, do they let you know straight away? Are they, is it that kind of relationship? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but if they do, if they are excited about a song, then yeah. it's just, we're off and running then. Yeah, nice. Um, and it's, it starts to come together really quickly. And we're all quite, the bass player and the drummer can be quite harsh with each other. I think <laughs> it's historically that's always yeah. been the case with all kinds of bands, that tight rhythm section. Um, I've usually known each other the longest and <laughs> can be quite cruel to each other. Yeah. Um, but as far as the wider sort of band relationship, we're all fairly nice to each other and it's more subtle signs if they're not excited about a song that will be like, yeah, it's all right, that, you know, maybe we should look at it later kind of thing <laughs> rather than, rather than Jim, that shit, what are you doing? <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> well, well you, you very kindly sent me a, a link to the new album just before it was released. Um, and I've, I've managed to have a, co- a good couple of listens to it in gym this morning. I've been through it a couple of times. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Mate. Uh, it's the way ahead. The first song on the album, mm. just, it, I, I, I had a similar kind of feeling to the gut from good souls. Just the, mm. just, you know, how your vocal comes in again and it's it, it, your vocal still surprises me to this day, mate. It's, it's such oh, an iconic thanks. voice you've got. Uh, and it, and it's there again in this, just to kick off this new record, isn't it? Um, yeah, that that was a song that was like I was umming and eyeing about whether it was a Star Sailor song oh, or a, right. okay. a, so, a solo song. But I decided um, basically we'd already got enough songs together for the next mm. Star Sailor record, and um, it's just uh, on the edge of being introspective and laid back enough to be. I was definitely the, getting like um, an old, like on a, my album. a more of a Dylan vibe to it, but we had better voice. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I really like Bob Dylan's voice, but uh, yeah, okay. I know it, I know he's a bit of a Marmite character. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, it's just music and it's yeah. just personal preference, isn't yeah. that? But I, I mean, I, like just the, like the structure of the song um, felt more like more Dylan-y than what I'd heard from like you. Yeah, other songs. Well, yeah, I feel like there's a deliberate attempt because I'd written a lot of songs of um, very heartfelt lyrics about reaching out and um, uh, love and sensitivity and stuff. There's definitely a, yeah. a deliberate a deliberate attempt with that song to go a bit out there, a bit more with the imagery, like um, I stood there laughing at the state of the ark <laughs> two by two on the animal yeah. farm. Um which Dylan is obviously incredible at. So, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the comparison. Yeah, well, yeah, like, uh, you know, just uh, some, a few highlights for me as well. A, a Different World, really enjoyed mm. that. Together Again, the, the, this, the quite short songs as well. I was surprised how, you know, like to, the, there's nothing much getting past, you know, three minutes is quite a long yeah. song on the album. Is that a deliberate thing that you decided to do as well? Um, yeah, I think... Uh, I think it was just the excitement of saying, oh, well, this there's enough on this for it to be a song. Mm. Um, I'm just going to get it down. And I think because I guess the longer a song is as well, the more production and the more um, the more sort of moments need to happen to keep yeah. the listener kind of engaged. Um, whereas it's 
I found it more comfortable and more easy to, when I'm just sat down on my own recording and writing it, I find it easier to keep it as succinct as possible. Yeah. Um, and yet also if, if you've kind of said all you want to say in a song as well, I think mm. it's, it's good to keep it quiet. Um, yeah. There's a, a few, um, there's a song on the next Star Sailor album that's in the, uh, in the process or in the, um, in the works. Mm. And our managers, like, that song's, it's, it's like two and a half minutes as well. And he's like, it's oh. far too short. This song's, <laughs> the, it's one of the best songs you've ever written, but it's far too, far too short. And I'm like, no, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you want, if you want to put it on again, um, if you want to hear more, just put it on again. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you find it because I, I know when I speak to musicians they find it quite hard to know when a song's finished I'm getting the vibe that you just like move on quite quick when you when you think it's done yeah I think that's the good the good thing about the band and the different characters mm. in the band um, the bass player is uh, James Stelfox um, he's quite a good creative foil for me and, and he's out of everyone, he'd be the one who suggests kind of what direction he feels a song should go in and different instrumentation and stuff. Um, and we play off each other a little bit because he he is the one who um, will analyse recordings and productions a bit more and look for ways that they can be improved, whereas yeah. I'm much more, like you say, like, well the song's written and it sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's put it out. Yeah. And I think uh, it's good to have that balance where I'll, you have to give some room to the the band to express themselves and, and their opinions. So you'll be like, okay, you can, um, you can have a few weeks or days even to listen to it and see how we can improve on it. Yeah. But, if we're still, if, as long as we're not still here in six months, we go. Oh, hang on. Um, this, <laughs> well, yeah, you, you can. You we can, need to re re cue the hi hat there. Or oh something. god, you, you can just... you can end up spoiling it as well, going too far, can't you? <laughs> yeah. you can you can you can miss the point of it by overanalyzing yeah. stuff, particularly music. I think I, I personally think. Yeah, definitely. But I think, um, like I say, it's a nice balance where. Um, quite a few times I'll think something's finished and then he'll, he'll suggest something like um, some harmonica or mm. slide guitar. And you're like, actually that was a really good idea. And yeah. the song's really, really benef- benefited from it. So yeah. it's good to have different, um, different opinions and characteristics there. Mate, you've had such a, a an amazing career. Um, <laughs> really enjoying the new album. I'll put a link to, for people to, uh, to download and stream and buy the the music in the description of this podcast too. So encourage everybody cool. watching this interview and thanks for everybody for joining us to uh, just join us for this chat today, James. I've really enjoyed getting to know you, mate, as well. I really appreciate you your time. too. Thanks, nice mate. One. Is there anything you want to share with the uh, James Walsh fans or Star Sailor fans just to finish it off today and then I'll let you get on with your day? Um, no, um, just that I appreciate the yeah. support. I think um, particularly the fans that have, kind of um supported the the solo career because mm. they're quite a bit smaller in number yeah. so um yeah i really it's a real buzz to kind of do something completely on your own without any real backing and and for it to connect with people is mm. uh i really appreciate it oh, mate. brilliant well i really appreciate your time james uh, you crack on with your day um and thanks for your time mate thank you nice one cheers James, you're a gentleman, sir. Thank you. Yeah, catch him on his socials. Download his new solo album. Check it out. Uh, Share your experience of the show as well, you know. Wherever you listen to this podcast. It could be Apple. It could be Spotify. Amazon, wherever it is. If it's possible. If you can be asked. Uh, can you leave us a, a, a review on it? Because it kind of helps us out. Yeah, I don't know. If you can be asked.
it, we'd really appreciate it. Also, you know, there's, there's always a video uh, version of this podcast as well that goes out Mondays at 8 o'clock in the evenings. Again, give us a subscribe. We're trying to get stuff done, you know. If you can be asked. Thank you. Um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that's a, another week of music and entertainment here at the RGM HQ. I forgot where I am. So as always, follow us on Twitter at RGM Pod. Check out the Patreon, eh? £2.50 a month. Bargain. Get early access to the shows, bonus content. £2.50 a month. You know what I'm saying? Just over 50 pence a week. Not bad, that. It's not bad, that. And we will see you next week for another great show. Well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see you next week for a show. You can decide whether it's great or not. I enjoy doing these things. Uh, and yeah, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again for another week. My name's been Carl Maloney. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. My name's Carl Maloney. And we'll see you next week for an exciting week of music. And I love you. Goodbye. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show, and thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.